0: evening. We are thankful you're here this evening for the chance to be together again. It has been a beautiful Lord's Day. It may be a little warmer than we like it sometimes this time of year, but we're thankful for the opportunity to be together and to study here, and we're thankful you've chosen to be with us this evening. We appreciate so much the kindness that you've shown our way again from on behalf of our family in particular. We appreciate the welcome that you've given us so much and we look forward uh, to, as I mentioned this morning, the coming school year. It seems that it's that time of year where we kind of find our routine again. There's a lot going on, a lot to get back in the, uh, the swing of. We appreciate uh, so much the, the kindness you've shown us and we look forward to the future together. Uh, tonight we're going to take a look at a, a couple of reminders. It's a very simple lesson. The PowerPoint didn't take very long. We're only going to have two slides tonight. It's the two critical reminders that you see there, the blanks that you see if you've got your bulletin in front of you. But as I mentioned to you this morning, there's times that I like to do a lot of reading, try to to catch up on things, to try to see what others are thinking sometimes and share in thoughts. And I came across an article a few years ago, and really the title of it was entitled A Critical Reminder. One critical, we're going to make it two tonight, but a critical reminder for Christians in times like these. Now, I had part of that left off for the sake of our bulletin and the title tonight, but a critical reminder for Christians in times like these. Well, what do we mean sometimes when we say that? Times like these. You know, it seems that oftentimes in our world today, we lament something along the lines of that. Times like these, or in days like today, or the world that we live in today. And a lot of times when we say that, we're using it in a negative sense. It's a way that kind of gets us down. Because we look around us and we don't like the things we see, and somewhat rightfully so, but yet we make statements sometimes, we talk about what they are doing or, or in times like these. When we say that, what do we mean? Well, this article was actually penned about uh, three years ago in 2015 in the days that followed after the Supreme Court's ruling in favor of homosexual marriage. And so, if you recall back to that, and maybe you don't remember that exact date, you know I don't remember the, where, where I was in that particular moment, as we sometimes do in in certain things in history. But if you remember back just a few years ago, we were somewhat worried about maybe the future of our country or the things that were being decided. I'll never forget when we had just moved to Dunlap twelve years ago. We hadn't been there very long, and Brother Brad Harb came to Dunlap and held sort of a weekend gospel meeting or a weekend seminar. And I don't remember the year exactly, but it was around the time that out in Texas, there was discussion about some of the the lawmakers in Texas, I guess in particular, uh, making a rulings to the effect that preachers would not be able to preach against certain things like homosexuality. And of course, the fear kind of went through a lot of people that all of our preachers were going to end up in jail and everybody was going to be in trouble because there were going to be laws like this in times like these. Well, that didn't exactly come to fruition that way. I don't look back at that and say that we weren't necessarily, our fears weren't necessarily rational, because certainly when we hear things like that, it makes us nervous to think that we might be put in prison, or of course, we would not even think about our life being in danger, maybe as they did during the New Testament, but whether it's our life or prison time or something along those lines, we fear our freedom being taken away from us here in this country, even this free country that we live in. So this article was penned during times like these. But I would submit to you, and I think you would agree, the 2015 or 2007 or eight around that time. I think when that particular meeting happened, that wasn't the first time that this has ever happened. Some of you may recall 1973, Roe versus Wade. There were probably a lot of Christians at that time that thought the world was going to end, or or the or the country was never going to be the same, and there was a that was a bad situation. But again, that wasn't the only time that there were times like these. We go all the way back through many different years throughout history and even throughout this country's history. We can even go all the way back to Genesis chapter 6. Do you remember the passage there in Genesis chapter 6 and verses 5 and 6? The Bible says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack in that verse. <laughs> every intent only evil continually we look at the world around us some t- sometimes today and we get very frustrated and upset again somewhat rightfully so but when we look back through the history of the world and, and in the history of the bible there's been a lot of times that god has looked upon the earth and would have been very disappointed in the way that people were acting not only the world but even his own children we might say that he would be disappointed in When we think about these times that that people would say, times like these, that we really get down on our society and on the world, a lot of times Christians have the defeatist attitude. You know, it's an attitude that pops up sometimes whenever there's a lot of uh, things going on about Islam or or radical Islamists who are out there maybe causing terror and doing things. That kind of defeatist attitude that, that we don't know what's going to happen. And of course, I believe we need to be realistic about what's going on in the world. We need as Christians to take action where we can, to try to defeat evil whenever we have the opportunity. But all of these things that we've discussed doesn't necessarily mean that America's in a downturn that signals doom, despair, or hopelessness. You know, a lot of times when we see things like this happen, we do see Christians somewhat try to rally together or rally around each other, even on things like social media. A lot of times the author of this particular just brief article, and I want us to expound upon it tonight, but he mentions Psalm chapter 46 and verse 10. Psalm 46 and verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. A lot of times Christians will rally together and they will try to share thoughts like that and they will try to encourage each other. We can't let ourselves get overwhelmed by the world. And also I would submit to you this evening, we can't let our worldly friends and family see Christians who are sometimes so earthly focused. And don't get me wrong, when we see laws like that passed, that really make us nervous, that really worry us about the future of this country and what we might or might not be able to say, there's a little cause for concern. We should be concerned about that. We should write our congressmen and women. We should speak up and try to remain, make it remain that we have the opportunity to have free speech. But sometimes when we get so wrapped up in those things, people would look at us and see our earthly focus and wonder what it is that's bothering us so bad. When we also go to church services somewhere, when we also study our Bible, when we also claim to have faith and trust in God, why are these things tearing us us down so hard and so bad sometimes? We know that Jesus Jesus' kingdom was never of this world, and our hope is in a much higher victory than that of any kind of political victory, that of any kind of military victory. You know, the other situation that came to my mind that you may think of is the last few election nights. Right? Whether you are on one side or the other, and we're not going to go there in the sermon, I know that, right? My first few Sundays, but I know not to get into, get into all that. Whether you are on one side or the other, you can think back to 2016, 2012, whatever you want to go. And there's a lot of folks who thought the world was going to end because so-and-so might be elected president. When we get so earthly focused sometimes, it doesn't seem much like we have a higher victory, that our hope is in something much greater than the president, than in our nation, and among other things. Tonight, what we want to look at for just a few moments are two critical reminders for Christians, but I would submit to you as well, two biblical truths that we need to keep in mind in times like these and yeah I use that a little loosely when we think about the times that we're living in and the world that we are living in it's easy to look back on things and and point fingers and say how could they not have seen that coming or why were they that way but certainly there is nothing new under the sun and as we think about the world we live in we need to remember these things as well number one tonight this world is not our home we sing it we sing it a lot sometimes. It's one of my favorite songs. But do we really mean it when we sing those words? You know, we like to think about heaven. We like to think about that home that we hope to have one day, that our hope is in. And we like the words that the Bible uses. Just a few to mention to you tonight. We like John chapter 14 in verses 2 and 3. John 14, 2 and 3. You remember what Jesus says there? He uses that M word. Mansions. We like to think about those Mansions. Whether they are two- or three-story houses or whether they're as big as we imagine when we think about mansions, that's the word that we like to think about. And when Jesus tells those who are there right after he's washed the disciples' feet, in my Father's house are many mansions. We like that idea. We like to think about our home being that way. What about Matthew chapter 6 and verse 20? Matthew chapter 6 and verse 20 in the Sermon on the Mount there, Jesus talks about where our treasure should be. And we look around us here on this earth, and we look at our bodies that are sometimes falling apart. We look at things in our house that sometimes fall apart, things that are always running down. We think about moth and rust that doth corrupt. We think about thieves that break in and steal. And we turn our eyes from those earthly things to that heavenly place where our treasure should be stored up, where none of those things can touch it. We like that idea as well of thinking about our home. Or about Hebrews chapter 11 in verse 10. Hebrews chapter 11 in verse 10. Speaking of faithful Abraham. Faithful Abraham, the Hebrew writer says, For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. What a comforting thought to think about whether it is some kind of two or three story mansion as our earthly minds think of, or just a beautiful home in heaven. A city whose foundation is who found, has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. This world is not our home. But one thing that we've heard rather frequently over the years, as we've mentioned some things, whether it's 1973, 2015, 18, whatever it is, one thing that we've heard frequently is that maybe all this evil in America means that Jesus is going to come back soon. Again, if you watch TV, if you watch the news, you hear hear a lot of people who will sell you a lot of different things. Many people would have you believe that all this evil means that Jesus is coming back soon. Of course, they totally forget Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36 and many other places that we can make the definitive claim. You know, there's a lot of things I can stand before you tonight and say, I don't know this 100% for sure. But I think one thing I can stand before you tonight and say is Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36. Among other places, we can make the definitive claim because no one knows when he'll return. But while we can make that, what that statement says, think with me for just a moment. What that statement says, though, when people say that kind of thing about all the evil must mean that Jesus is coming soon. What that statement seems to show sometimes is that maybe we or others have given America these United States of America, a special place in God's plan. That once America is done, then God will be forced to come back. But you know what we have to keep in mind is that the United States of America, albeit great in many ways, is just another of the many empires that have come and gone in world history. And that God has brought each of them up. And God has taken each of them down as he has seen fit. If you've got your Bible, turn over to the book of Daniel for just a moment. Hopefully some of you have that mark if you're in the auditorium class here on Wednesday night. Because we've been talking about Daniel. We've just really got into the very beginning of the book of Daniel. But Daniel chapter 4 and verse 17. One of the themes of the book of Daniel that we've not talked a lot about in our class just yet is the God of heaven. The book speaks so much of the God of heaven. In Daniel chapter 4 and verse 17 as Nebuchadnezzar is having this second dream and it's being interpreted, this writes, "This decision is by the decree of the watchers and by the sentence by the word and the sentence by the word of the holy ones, in order that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he will, and sets over it the lowest of men." When we think about the history of the world, when we think about what the Bible has to say, and again, as we've begun to think about in our Wednesday evening Bible class here in the auditorium, the kingdoms of men, those who have risen and fallen, and all we read about in the book of Daniel, Yeah, I've asked them in class multiple times, try to put yourself in Daniel's shoes and understand what he's thinking. The uneasiness that comes from, number one, being in captivity, but number two, seeing the different folks that are in charge during his time there as he is a captive and as he is under these different rulers and as he looks and spans across that there could be a lot of worry there could be a lot of doubt but that that statement there in verse 17 that the most high rules in the kingdom of men it gives it to whomever he will we must realize that the united states of america again as free, the freedoms that we have and as great as it can be is another rome or another babylon or whatever we want to put up there and that tying our fortunes that tying our fortunes or our trust in God to America's success is a little bit short-sighted sometimes you know again I, I'm not advocating up here that we don't vote that we don't participate that we don't get involved in things in our country because we certainly should we're thankful for the freedoms that we have But we must be careful that we don't try to take the United States of America and slide it up to the top spot above God or anything else The other thing that we must remember as we think about this first point is that many of our fellow Christians around the world today and throughout the history of the church have never had the luxury of living in these United States of America and they've remained faithful as well. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 4 for just a moment. Philippians chapter 4. Again, we can be thankful for this great country, but when you look around us and you think about those who are meeting in secret, who are worried about their ability to be able to preach the gospel, stand up in front of a group and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, we are very lucky to have that luxury of living in these United States of America. We can't be so spoiled to think that God will come in and save us from any undergoing, or excuse me, save us from undergoing any hardship. We have to be prepared to serve him in every situation. Philippians chapter 4 beginning in verse 11 Paul kind of talks about this when he says not that I speak in regard to need for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content I know how to be a base and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry both to abound and to suffer need and of course the passage that many know all so well I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me Paul is saying here not that of course I can be superhuman Or that I can do anything if I believe in God. But yes, I can endure anything. Yes, I can be content in any situation I find myself in. And Paul says, I am prepared to serve him in any situation. Is that the way that we feel about things? Again, not that we should not be concerned about who's leading our country or the laws that are being made or passed. But when we really think about who's in charge and where our home is, then that's important. Yes, the different battles over the tax bracket or over our money, that affects us and how we can take care of our family. And we need to be concerned about that. But when we think about where our home really is, and we think about things a little differently, and that's something that we need to be reminded of from time to time. When we put our eyes on Christ and on the gates of heaven, Our primary concern for preserving our American way, what we know of these United States of America, suddenly seems more trivial when we think about the gates of heaven, when we think about that home that is waiting for us, when we think about being with God for eternity. Yeah, I don't think we can fully grasp that. I use this example from time to time, but there was a professor one time, the story is told at Freed Hardeman, who was in the science department, and he wanted to describe eternity. And he was a little bit, uh, uh, had his eccentric ways. The story goes that he walked up to the chalkboard and put a piece of chalk on the board and walked across the front of the board and drew a line as he was walking on the board and walked right out the classroom and then never came back. (laughs) He was seen walking around the campus with that chalk a little while longer, you know, a little while later, still drawing that line, so to speak, imaginary line, trying to describe what eternity is. And I don't think he ever really described it because he couldn't we're not able to we, we miss that sometimes in thinking about eternity but when we think about this world it's not our home it's important for us to put faith in God not to get so caught up in what's going on around us sometimes but to put our trust in him live faithfully live faithfully among the people that we come in contact with and things will be a lot better for us as we're reminded of that fact and then number two tonight the battle is over I told you it was a simple lesson the battle is over Of course, we don't mean the battle for morals in today's culture. We don't mean the battle for the hearts and minds, not only of you and me, but especially our young people, but the eternal battle between Christ and Satan, good and evil, life and death. Battle's over. You know, John used Jesus' words to repeatedly remind his readers that no matter what the world does, how badly they persecute God's people, how sinful the world becomes, no matter what the world does, we have nothing to fear. If you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 16. John chapter 16 and verse 33, first of all. John 16 and verse 33 When Jesus is speaking here. John chapter 16 and verse 33. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You know those words in red in the Bible possibly that you're looking at. Are just as powerful today as they were then. I have overcome the world. Do you realize the power that that gives us? Okay, I'm not going to demonstrate it by walking out here and standing and playing in traffic on Highway 27. All right, We understand it's not that. I'm not going to, to try to exhibit by saying that I can cure cancer or do something like that. But there's so much power found in the statement knowing that Jesus says, I have overcome the world. There are so many things that we can face knowing that he has overcome the world. We should be rejoicing in our Savior's victory and thanking Him that we've been given the opportunity to enjoy the fruits of what He has already accomplished. If you've got your Bible, turn over to 1 John chapter 4 this time. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4. uh, Excuse me, not Jesus here, but John speaking here says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them... Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. John reminds his readers of this fact and how much comfort we should be able to take in this fact that if we are in Christ, and we talked about that this morning for just a brief moment, about what it means to be in Christ, the spiritual blessings that are found in Christ. If we are in Christ, then we can take this same comfort knowing that the battle is over. You know, that's the news that we have to keep constantly in front of our minds. I don't know how many of you watch the news. Uh, We've had the opportunity recently to have the TV on a few times there in the morning or the evening. And before it stays there but about 45 seconds, Hannah says, turn it from that. I don't want to watch that stuff. A lot of times the news gets us down. It doesn't make us very encouraged about things. But the news that we need to keep in the front of our minds is that the battle is over. It doesn't always feel that way. When life gets us down, it doesn't always feel that way when we feel like we're beaten down and that the devil may be winning. But that's the news that we have to keep at the front of our mind Jesus wins, and we have overcome the world through him. One of the best ways that we have to get our minds in the right place in any situation, of course, is to find the scriptures, to meditate on them, to keep their teaching in front of our minds. And one more passage here, John, again, the gospel of John chapter 14, or John's account of the gospel. John chapter 14 and verse 27. There's so many things that creep into our minds sometimes when we're worried about things. How often do we pick up the scriptures and turn to them and look for comfort there? We've just looked at a couple of passages tonight, but there are so many more that can encourage us when we face these times. John chapter 14 and verse 27. Again, Jesus speaking says, Peace, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Comforting words from the Son of God. Comforting words from the Master Teacher, from the Great Shepherd, from the the Good Physician. All these different phrases that we use when we think about Jesus. Comforting words. But is that what we turn to? Or do we turn to other earthly places at times that get us down when we think about what is going on around us? When we are faced with troublesome times, we must remember that victory is in Jesus. Again, another one of my favorite songs, Victory in Jesus, that encourages us to actually think about the battle being over. You know, there are so many passages that go along with that. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 57 was one more that I had jotted down here where Paul says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We think about Paul again in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 telling us that there is no condemnation, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, I've mentioned this a time or two, I think already to a few of you, but when you are looking for help, When the world gets you down, when we sometimes say there are times like these, where do you turn to? We could take a little field trip and go up the road here to any type of mall or even Walmart or any store that we wanted to find. And we could find a whole section of books. Most of them are entitled self help books. And we could spend lots of money trying to find people who would tell us exactly what to do to make us happy, to give us comfort, and to help us in troubling times. But we've got the word of God in front of us. The comforting words of Jesus who gives us the victory. Who offers us the spiritual blessings that are found in him. We just have to be willing to read it and to be reminded of two things tonight. Number one, the world is not, this world is not our home. And number two, the battle is over. Comforting words when troublesome times arise. But something that we sometimes put on the back burner. Tonight... The possibility exists that maybe you're here and you've been worried about some of these things. Maybe not any of the political things that we've mentioned in particular, but maybe it's something else that's weighing you down, that's causing you some worry. Did you need to be reminded of these things this evening? Might you have some sin in your life that is separating you from God? The possibility exists in a crowd this size that There's someone here who's never named the name of Christ, who's never been baptized for the remission of their sins. We would encourage you to make that great decision, even this evening. And as I usually try to mention, we would gladly study more with you, even this evening, if you want to know more about that. Maybe you've done that and you've wandered away. It's an easy thing to do when we watch the news. It's an easy thing to do when we get bad news sometimes about our health or various things in our life. We get worried about the things of this earth. We take our, our, our focus and we shift it away from God into these earthly, fleshly things. Maybe you're here tonight and there's sin in your life that separates you from God and you need to pray about that to ask for his forgiveness, to repent of that sin. We are thank, thankful that God is willing to forgive us of those sins and we can again walk in the light as he is in the light. Or as I've said as well, The beautiful part about being here together this evening as we worship him is the encouragement we provide to each other. Maybe you're struggling with some other things and you need the prayers of this congregation, the good people here, to pray for you and with you. And that's for those reasons that we will be singing to encourage you. Would you come forward as we stand together and as we sing?